Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another broadcast of Truth Be Told, where we believe in experience becomes truth. I'm your host, Tony Sweet. With me now, you have your other host. In studio, we have Captain Ron. Today, we are going to go into mysteries and murders, one of our favorite topics here on Truth Be Told. We have author Mark Shaw, who wrote the book, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much. Now, Mark is a former legal analyst for USA Today, CNN, and USA Today, and his book is about the reporter who knew too much, the mysterious death of What's My Line star and media icon, Dorothy Kilgallen. Now, Dorothy was one of the most powerful female voices in America at that time. We will find out today through Mark's research, the mystery, the death, and the influence that Dorothy Kilgallen had, and who and why she was murdered. What was the reason? Well, she wrote a tell-all book about the JFK assassination, and we believe it opened a Pandora's box that couldn't be closed. Mark Shaw brings it to light by never-seen-before videotape eyewitness interviews with the closest Kilgallen and in the secret government documents. So sit back, relax, have a great time, and welcome to Truth Be Told, author Mark Shaw. Ready, Tony. I'm already scared, buddy. I know I'm scared. Wow. Well, we have Mark Shaw with us. How you doing, Mark? Good afternoon. Hey, good. We just showed your trailer if you didn't uh, get a chance to hear it. But, uh, wow, that uh, uh, that would get you interested in uh, wanting to read this book, by the way. <laughs> good. I'm glad to hear that. Good. Well, Absolutely. we we are excited because we love stuff like this. We love mysteries and murders, and especially when it gets uh, in, in, in deep with the conspiracy theory of JFK. Uh, so... What I want to know, for a lot of people out there, a lot of people don't know who Dorothy was. And so could you explain to us, to start us off, who is who and was was Dorothy? Who was she? Who and was? Well, who and was? I think yeah. The, yeah, I think the reason that uh, this book has captivated people and it's just taken off, you know, it's in its sixth printing now after only about two and a half months is because they're just like me. I didn't know about this side of Dorothy Kilgallen. We all knew about her from the What's My Line television show. She was the star panelist on there where mm-hmm. they ga- you know, they guessed the occupations of people every Sunday night for about 15 years. 20 million people watched that show on CBS. And so th- that's what everybody remembers about her, even young people who now watch the reruns on YouTube and all of that. So um, I was a blank on the other side of her life until... Um, I was working on a book about Melvin Belli, who was the uh, uh, lawyer for for Jack Ruby, but he was also 
one of the most famous lawyers of the 20th century, represented the Rolling Stones and Muhammad Ali and all those people. And I actually knew Mr. Belli in the 80s, I practiced uh, law a little bit with him. And, um, you know, I decided when he died to write a book about him. And so um, I did the research on it. And as I was talking to um, uh, one of his friends, uh, a doctor in San Diego, the guy said, well, you know, uh, Mr. Belli knew Dorothy Kilgallen. And I said, well, what, was he on What's My Line? She said, he, he said, no, Mark, you don't know anything about her. She was this crack investigative reporter. Um, uh, you know, and later I found out the New York Post called her the most powerful female voice in America. She had a syndicated column to 200 newspapers across the country wow, when people actually had their only source being the newspaper. She had a radio show. She was an author. She was an adventurer. She was all these things and more. And, um, you know, she was an amazing woman. And I said, well, I didn't know anything about that. And he said, you know, it was interesting. And this is what triggered the book. He said, you know, when she died, Mel, who knew her really well from the Jack Ruby trial, said to me, they've killed Dorothy. Now they'll go after Ruby. And I couldn't, you know, I noticed in, in, in the title of your show is the word truth. Well, you guys are after the truth. And so I couldn't get that quote out of my mind, and so that's when I started to investigate this remarkable woman and try to look into what really happened to her when she died in 1965. Well, I, I find it fascinating that back in the day, I mean, even to this day, women, you know, still don't have the equality of men, and back then, she was so, I mean, she had to be, 200, yeah, that's amazing. and have, you know, have her own show and everything. What, what made her so special? I mean, what was it about her that you feel that made her to that Mm -hmm. quality, I guess. Well, I think what, again, has uh, captivated people who've read the book is to learn about this woman who, at 17, dropped out of college, went into the newsroom where it was men-dominated. Her her father was a celebrated uh, uh, journalist at the New York Journal American. Uh, she wrote a few articles, and then she kind of just you know, uh, overcame. I mean, talk about a woman, uh, you know, breaking the glass ceiling before there even was, we even knew what that was. You know, she, she wrote articles, she was a gifted wordsmith, and then she got her own column, The Voice of Broadway, and it took off. And then one of the most remarkable things about her, guys, is this. She could straddle the uh, fence with being this celebrity on a, on a game show with being the most respected at that time uh, newspaper reporter and, and investigative reporter of the time. I mean, if you go to the DorothyKilgallenStory.org, you will see her at the Dr. Sam Shepard case, for instance, which became the film The Fugitive, you know, right, with right. Harrison Ford. Love that and movie. there's a photograph of her standing there, and all the other reporters are around her. And so that's the celebrity status that she enjoyed. And I've just uh, been amazed, and I think people have been amazed to learn more about this incredible career that she had, um, you know, more than 50 years ago. I can't think of anybody that would parallel that today, like right. who would be in that sort of a world and no. yet a respected reporter, right? No, and it, and it came as a, at a time, as you know, I mean, women were not only supposed to be in the back of the bus, they were be, supposed to be behind the bus. Right. <laughs> and and uh, so, you know, it was, it was overcoming these... Uh, these obstacles that have uh, amazed people uh, about Dorothy and what she was able to do. And, uh, you know, you, you just can't imagine, uh, I don't think there's anybody, Oprah, Diane Sawyer, whoever, could match uh, Dorothy. We, we use the word media icon in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the subtitle, you know, the reporter who knew too much, and then we use the word media icon in there, and that's exactly what she was.
So, so when you started really diving into writing the book itself, mm-hmm. what what was one of the first things that you found out about her? Because I mean, you're you're a journalist, you're you're an author. Mm-hmm. What what was one of the things that you really found res- that you really got gained a lot of respect for her? Well, besides she, just from what you've she, heard, you know, yeah, her middle name was the truth. Uh, you know, we're at a day and age uh, where we're into this fake news and we're into this, you know, just this this race to get news out there before anybody looks into whether it's authentic or not or check the the sources or whatever. Well, that's not what Dorothy was all about. She was a, she was she had integrity. Uh, she was a person who searched for the truth like you guys do. You want to find out the truth. You want to find it out from primary sources, mm-hmm. people who were there. You don't want to speculate and, and all of that. And that's what Dorothy did, and that's where she gained this reputation with such respect uh, from not only her fellow reporters but the best sources in the country. And so that's what really amazed me about her is that she was able to get to that status. You know, talk about a credential. Ernest Hemingway called her the greatest female writer in the world. I mean, that's, Coming that's from pretty him. good. That's wow. pretty, that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> and, and she was. And so I think that's what uh, has caused me to have such great respect for her and to fight for her to get the justice that I believe she was uh, denied so many years ago. So, so reporting, what, what was her style? Because you know, mm-hmm. reporting on the you know, JFK assassination, be- before we even get into all that, what was she reporting on? I mean, we've heard about yeah. you know, the entertainment. Most women were mostly entertainment, maybe a little gossip, mm-hmm. fashion. But what right. was her style? Well, Voice of Broadway was the column. And again, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have much television radio, it, it was the newspaper that, that people looked at. And she had the Voice of Broadway column, which sounds like an entertainment column, but she mixed in there all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, items about the celebrities of the day, of course, but also criminal trials. Right. Uh, she, she looked at, uh, you know, uh, at one point she looked into uh, the whole matter with the uh, Cuban refugees down in Miami, I mean, she was all over the board in terms of the things that she that she covered, but she had such an affinity for the, for the criminal world. Uh, she she was fascinated by mobsters. Uh, one of her her friends was uh, Frank Costello, a famous uh, infamous uh, New York mobster. Uh, she ran with the with the rich and famous and the the dubious, and she never pulled punches. Uh, she had a incredible uh, feud with Frank Sinatra, for instance. She wrote a scathing article about the women that he dated, uh, that they were all bimbos and, <laughs> and has-beens and, and wannabes and everything. And so he didn't like that very well. So he came back and, and said, you know, uh, during his act, let's, let's, um, uh, let's uh, do a collection and buy Dorothy a chin. Um, he <laughs> wow. sent her a, a fake tombstone to her, to her office. Oh, uh, they got into this incredible battle, and, and Dorothy made a lot of enemies because that column could make or break uh, a, a, a career. And when she covered the trials, it was the same way. How many people, I've had emails from all over the world, I think there's almost a, 140 reviews up on Amazon now from people who That's have great. said to me, wow, I wish we had a reporter today like Dorothy Kilgallen because she went after the truth. How funny that Frank Sinatra ties in here because he also was the star of The Manchurian Candidate, which we'll get to that stuff later. That ties sure. right in. He was the star of that film, of all things. Absolutely. Incredible. All right, so Dorothy, I mean, 
for the people that are listening, and I, like I said, I didn't really know her at all. Mm-hmm. You've heard the name, Captain. I, Ron I've said. heard the name, but I did not know her yeah. story like this. And already, look what Mark's told us. I, I, I didn't know any of that. And this is just you know scratching the surface. Behind the scenes, did she have uh, did she have a, a family life? Was she married? Did she have kids? Because mm-hmm. that could change a whole. You know, when you're when you have kids, the safety of your kids always come first. So when you're dealing right, with mobsters right. and stuff like that, so I'm just I'm curious, did she have a family life? Well, she did, and uh, you know, I've I've been criticized for in in some my books uh, when I when I go after a subject and I decide I'm going to write about them, it's warts and all. Hmm. I'm like you guys again, you know, I'm not going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to avoid the controversial part of somebody's life. She was a remarkable woman in the business world and all that she did with regard to that. Her private life was another matter. Um, at one point, it was in great shape. She married a guy named Richard Calmer, who was a Broadway producer of note. Uh, they had three children. Uh, everything was rosy, uh, everything was going well, and then the bottom fell out. Uh, Richard uh, fell into hard times with business, uh, became an alcoholic. Mm. Uh, he strayed away from her with uh, many different affairs. And then Dorothy, as you will see on the DorothyKilgallenStory.org, there's about 50 videos up there, and two of them are especially interesting because they're with uh, her two closest friends, two hairdressers who are very close to Dorothy, And they talk about one of the Mark Sinclair of Dorothy being very lonely. And so she had two affairs herself, one with Johnny Ray, uh, who was a famous singer at the time, the little white cloud that cried and all of that, actually an admitted homosexual, but he was more than a homosexual. He was a bisexual because they had a torrid love affair. When that um, affair ended, she took up with a man who was a journalist in uh, the Midwest, he came along conveniently just as she was uh, working on the JFK assassination investigation. And uh, as you will learn when we talk about that, he's a main suspect in her death. But you mentioned about, you know, did she, did she worry about her children? And I don't want to miss uh, the point that just before Dorothy died, she was very concerned about the safety of her youngest son, Carrie, uh, whom JFK had befriended when uh, Dorothy took him to the White House, and that's one of the reasons that Dorothy went after the JFK assassination with every effort she could. But um, just before she died, uh, Carrie was uh, seen in a photograph in a newspaper uh, running across Central Park by himself, and it scared the bejesus out of her. She ended up getting a gun. She ended up, um, he wanted to go trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treating, he made her uh, she made him go in a limousine, and so she had a lot of uh, uh, trepidation about what might happen to her children, and I'm glad you brought up that point, because it will show how much danger Dorothy thought she was in uh, just before she died. Hey, Mark, you said, okay, I understand that she investigated the JFK assassination, which many people have, uh, but you just mentioned now that she was like at the White House with JFK, so she already had like some relationship with him or something? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, she knew him socially. Uh, there's there's some uh, there's a photograph of them at the Stork Club. Uh, he was at her home when he was a senator playing charades. You have to understand how big a, a celebrity she was. This and adds so, a whole new wrinkle to the thing that she actually had some relationship of some kind. Oh with him. yes, and what what really happened? And in, in fact, we can go into a little more detail. She took Carrie to the White House. Pierre Salinger set up a tour for her. And uh, while they were in the library, JFK came in, and he was so kind to Carrie. Carrie had brought some letters from his third-grade class, 
and uh, and and JFK made a big fuss over those. He gave him a PT-109 flag to put on his lapel. He was just so wonderful to uh, carry. And so when JFK died, uh, she had written all these columns we can talk about, uh, scathing columns about the Oswald alone theory and all of that. But one of the columns after JF died, JFK died, she wrote, uh, the, the image I have is a tall man stooping over a young boy uh, looking at the letters he brought from his third grade class. This is the man who was assassinated in Dallas, and that hmm. triggered her 18-month investigation into his death. It was personal. It wasn't business. Well, maybe that's what drove her. Yeah, that makes sense that she would be driven to try to I mean, uh, yeah. find out the answer to this for her friend. Or well, there's some there's somebody in the chat room that uh, apparently knows Dorothy, and I'm glad that they, they said this. says was one of the smartest people ever to grace our earth, alive or dead. So... Thank you guys wow. for listening and, wow. and, and participating. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, Dorothy, she sounds like a woman that uh, she could be. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Even with power, it sounded like she had grace. It wasn't like she was a difficult woman. So she had, but how, there must have been somewhat of a two sides to her. Uh, of of being the mother, being somebody that people liked, but yet strong. Isn't that the Jackie Kennedy thing? They strong enough, yes, yeah, strong enough to to mm-hmm. go ahead to head with these powerful people. Was she? Well, I was going to. Yeah, ask, well, I, I was just going to ask you. Her, her. Yeah. How did? What was her? What was her family like growing up? Did she come? What could you tell us a little bit about uh, background of yeah, her family? She, yeah, she was born in in Chicago, and then Jim Kilgallen, who was a, a celebrated the newspaper. And for the Hearst Syndicate, which owned the newspaper in New York, they moved to New York City. And Dorothy, that's how she got into uh, the business. Uh, she had a daughter. Uh, she had a sister, Eleanor, and Eleanor w- became a famous uh, talent scout. In fact, uh, a- an agent in uh, L.A. with some of the most famous uh, uh, clients of, of, of the celebrity world. So it was a kind of a celebrity family a little bit. But Dorothy, um, I think she uh, she loved her 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 uh, family life, but. She loved the spotlight also, and and she relished uh, the status that she had attained. If you watch What's My Line, you will agree when you hear um, Bennett Cerf, who was the found, co-founder of Random House, who was a panelist, or other people say she was the prosecutor on there. Hmm. She played the game for fun, but she wanted to win. You can watch the last show of Dorothy's uh, life, uh, on YouTube, and you will see, boy, she's after winning. And that's what it was about in her life. I think she had a little bit of a insecurity feeling to her that kept her going every day to try to do everything she could to uncover the truth, uh, not back down. Uh, I'll, I'll show you a, 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 an example of her power. Dr. Sam Shepard, uh, for those people who don't know, was a celebrated trial. He was supposed to have uh, alleged to have killed his wife, uh, who was pregnant, and there was a one-armed man who was supposed to be in the in the uh, in the house where they li- lived and and killed the wife. But they uh, they uh, charged the doctor, and of course Harrison Ford uh, played the doctor in the film, and they had the one-armed man and all of that. But right. during the trial, which Dorothy covered, and and that photograph on the DorothyKilgallenStory.org shows that photograph. She was right there. She believed that the verdict of guilty was wrong, and she wrote about it. And then a couple years later, she divulged some information to F. Lee Bailey, the famous uh, attorney who was representing Dr. Sham, Sam Shepard of the case at the time. 
And I actually practiced a little law with Lee, and I know what happened. And that is that Dorothy came to him and said, you know, prior to the trial, I went into the judge's chamber, chambers, and he wanted an autograph. And he, she gave him one, and then he said, why are you here? And she said, well, it's an amazing trial, sensationalism, sex, murder, drugs, all these things. And he said, well, I don't know why you're here. He's guilty as hell. <laughs> well, Dorothy kept that information uh, secret until the judge died, and she took that to F. Lee Bailey. He used it in the appeal at the Supreme Court, and Lee will tell you if he was on the show today that that's the main reason that case was overturned, the verdict overturned, and later on it was shown that Dr. Sam Shepard did not kill his wife. So that's the power that she had. And people can't, you know, she people could not underestimate that power because uh, it shows. I mean, she could overcome a verdict in a murder case uh, pretty much through her reputation. Crazy. I, this. I mean, I'm falling in love with this woman. <laughs> Easy now, Tony. Okay. Okay. I know. All right, so time to go ahead. You'll get, you'll get a kick. Okay. I have to stop you there because you'd get a kick out of a review up on Amazon. Two of them, which say. I believe there's no question that the author, Mark Shaw, has a crush on Dorothy Cogow. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to have to fight for her. I believe it. I, I, I was going to say, I think it's time we need to move into this JFK yes, stuff. Yes. Now, did she, um, okay. what, what, what was, was her angle on this? Did she have, um, well, give us, you, you, you speak to that, if you would, Mark. Well, Bennett Cerf uh, said when Dorothy went after a case, uh, nothing could stop her. And uh, the reason this is such an important book in, in many ways, uh, it's, a, it's set up as a, a true crime murder mystery uh, because there's a lot of suspects uh, who could have uh, silenced uh, Dorothy. She was writing a book for Random House about the JFK assassination. Uh, they stopped her. Uh, I believe the book proves that she was killed, and, and that's the worst form of censorship, of course. But uh, she looked into this because it was personal. She wanted to find out what was happening. And when she looked into a case, uh, she went uh, full tilt toward it. So um, what we find out is, uh, you know, we try to recreate what happened back then. And again, I'm just, I hate to keep mentioning, but it's the website I mentioned, the DorothyKilgallenStory.org. All these videos, tapes up there from her two hairdressers and also from Joe Tonahill, who was the co-counsel for Jack Ruby. The different who talks about her being at the Ruby trial, and I'll talk about that in a minute. The difference between this book and all the others written that have anything to do with the JFK assassination is this: Dorothy was there. We have videotaped uh, uh, coverage of NBC of her at a news conference with Melvin Belli and Joe Tonahill. Joe Tonahill talks her about her being at the trial. Dorothy was there. I wasn't there. These other authors weren't there, but Dorothy was there. So I believe this is the most credible account of what happened with the JFK assassination ever published. And people can make up their own mind about that. But she was at the Ruby trial. She was the only reporter. First of all, she decided the Oswald alone theory made no sense. Uh, seven days after JFK uh, was killed, she wrote a column, The Oswald File Must Not Close. And you have to remember that J. J. Edgar Hoover was shouting Oswald alone, Oswald alone everywhere. Well, the only reporter who was going the other way was Dorothy Kilgallen, and she knew the key to solving the JFK assassination was Jack Ruby. So she ingratiated herself with Melvin Belli and Joe Tonahill and became the only reporter, guys, at the, J at the Jack Ruby trial to interview Ruby. Hmm. And she did it twice. And Joe Tonahill talks about how that all happened, what Ruby thought of her, 
how the um, uh, interviews took place. And so all of that is up there. And then just shortly thereafter, she was able to expose Jack Ruby's testimony before the Warren Commission, before it was supposed to be released, before the president saw it. And so she was on the job, and she was figuring this all out. We don't know exactly what Jack Ruby told her, but we can talk about in a minute what she did after that and where she went and what she looked into. But those hairdressers are the keys because they will tell you that, the, that they knew what she was doing. She talked about the investigation. She told one of them, Charles Simpson, if the wrong people knew what I know about the JFK assassination, it would cost me my life. Hey, hold up she now. You're told the hold other, on, she John told Mark. the other hairdresser, I'm afraid for my, for my life and my family. Uh, and she, got a, uh, she bought a gun. She changed her will and all of that. So she was squarely in the middle of all this. And there were some people that just didn't want that to happen. They didn't want Dorothy Kilgallen to expose what she knew about the JFK assassination. Can you back up a second here, Mark? So you're saying, she, is she the first one who said that uh, Lee, Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald was not the lone shooter? Because, I mean, obviously today we hear that all the time. That's the big conspiracy but, theory. And most people, I think, believe that at this point. Right? A lot of people just well, said that he wasn't even, he didn't even, wasn't even a shooter. Did right. she think well, that he was even columns, a shooter? All of her columns are up there, and the first one is right there. People can read it. And I think that's what has made such a difference in the popularity of the book, too, is that the videos you know, and the columns and all of that are primary sources. They show what happened. It's just not me printing all this and, and writing all of it. It's Dorothy, Dorothy's word. And so the answer is yes. And she was the lone wolf. She was the only one who was doing that. There's there's a great, um, I, I think we have it up there, and if not, it's in the book. There's a uh, FBI memorandum that I was able to get through the Freedom of Information Act. And uh, there's one there where uh, it, it, it has a copy of Dorothy's columns, one of Dorothy's columns. And it's, it's alluding to uh, the whole thing about uh, uh, Ruby being uh, in the basement uh, as, a, as a coincidence. And she says it's fishy, and how could he get there, and it doesn't make any sense and all with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That, and alongside the column, it's written W-R-O-N-G exclamation mark three times. And the handwriting is J. Edgar Hoover. Wow. Gets even more. That's a very, very tangled wow. web. Listen, uh, Mark, wh when we come back, let's take a quick break here. But when we come back, we also want to talk about what she thought about Jack Ruby and was he maybe even a Manchurian candidate, which some people believe to be mm -hmm. true. Let's see if that is true. When we come back, we'll ask that of Mark. But right now, we'll take a quick break on Tooth, Truth Be Told. We'll be back in one minute. One minute. You suffer from anxiety, from depression, maybe even chronic pain. Well, listen up. Truth Be Told is going to tell you about a breakthrough program built on over 100 years of therapies used in America's returning veterans to help you successfully overcome PTSD, anxiety attacks, pain, and depression. The secret proven in study after study. 
Music therapy. The effects of music are nothing short of amazing. From strokes to PTSD, music has been shown to improve the quality of life. Now, one of the latest music therapy programs being used in America's veteran hospitals can be yours to experience for free at home and to help your own anxiety attacks, pain, and depression. Or just relax after a hard day. It's called Whole Tones. It takes music therapy to a new level. This revolutionary program makes use of specifically designed frequencies that have been shown to stimulate your body's natural healing power down to a cellular level. If it works for battle-scarred vets, can it work for you? Well, experience it for yourself for free at SweetWholeTones.com. Like Tony Sweet, that's S-W-E-E-T. Go to SweetWholeTones.com. Now enjoy the show. All right, we are back. This is Truth Be Told. I'm Tony Sweet. We have Captain Ron here. We're talking with author and legal analyst uh, Mark Shaw about the amazing life and unfortunate death of Dorothy Kilgallen. And, hey, Mark, I, uh, I was looking on your website, mm-hmm. and there is a, a gentleman. His name was Joe uh, Tonahill, and he talked. Tonahill, yeah. Tonahill. Uh, he was talking about how Jack Ruby... Uh, co-counseled, uh, I guess. Now tell tell us who Joe Tona, Tonahill is. First, of all. Uh, Joe Tonahill was a Tonahill. Texas lawyer. Um, the reason I got interested in Belli and the, the Ruby case was because uh, Belli had affections with the mafia. He his most famous client was Mickey Cohen, who was a Los Angeles gangster, a killer, and everything. And Belli loved the mafia. He liked to kind of pretend he was part of them, and so. Uh, his, I, I questioned his, his uh, defense of Jack Ruby, this ludicrous uh, psychomotor epilepsy defense, made no sense whatsoever. Right. The prosecutor of, mm. of Ruby, uh, Bill Alexander, actually told me at one point, uh, any lawyer could have taken Ruby into the courtroom and thrown him in the mercy of the court. He had killed what most people believe was the most hated man in the world, right. Oswald. Right. And yet, uh, Belli went through all these machinations of this defense, which ended up getting Ruby the uh, the death penalty. Hmm. He picked Joe Tonahill because to- Tonahill was a Texas lawyer, great big guy, and uh, the two of them were the were the co-counsels uh, for Ruby. So, uh, one one question we were talking about during the break is how did uh, Dorothy get even access mm-hmm. to Jack Ruby? Because I'm sure yeah. even Walter Cronkite probably couldn't even got no. access to him. So how did she even get access to him? 400 reporters from around the world there, and Dorothy was the celebrity. Uh, she was the most known. And and really, again, uh, I encourage people to go to the website, the DorothyKilgallenStory.org, and listen to Joe Tonahill. He talks about the fact that uh, that um, Dorothy came to him and said. There's an opera singer in San Francisco that I've met who wants me to give Jack Ruby a message. And so Tonahill went to Ruby and said, that's the situation. And Tonahill will say, well, uh, the reason then that Ruby agreed was that he had such great respect for Dorothy Kilgallen. She, he was the most respected uh, person uh, reporter at the trial. Mm-hmm. So they set it up uh, just a little bit back of the council table. And uh, she was the only reporter, and, and she did it twice, one for about eight minutes, one for about ten minutes. And he will explain that he, he couldn't hear exactly what they were talking about, but they were very serious. And his assessment is that Jack Ruby told her the truth about what happened as he believed it. 
Now, I wish that uh, th th these videotapes came into my hands. Uh, I was very blessed to find them because nobody knew they existed. Hmm. And I found a researcher down in L.A., and she trusted me with these. So they've never been posted before. I wish the questioner, it wasn't me, <laughs> had asked him, well, exactly what did Ruby say? But he didn't, and so we don't know because Tannehill wasn't asked that question, and whether he knew or not, he didn't say. All we can go by, then, is what, what Dorothy Kilgallen did subsequent to the trial. Did she go to, back to Dallas to look into LBJ being involved in the assassinations? No. Did she go to Washington, D.C., uh, the CIA, the FBI, whatever it may be? No. Where did she end up? She ended up in New Orleans. She ended up with one trip there that is described by one of the hairdressers who went through her uh, with her. It's a very suspicious situation because halfway through the trip, he, uh, she called him and said, go back to uh, New York City. Uh, don't tell anybody you were here. Don't ask any questions and all of that. And we know that just before she died, she planned a second trip to New Orleans. Well, who was in New Orleans? Carlos Marcello. And for those people who don't know, Carlos Marcello had an empire that stretched from New Orleans to Dallas. Um, he had acquaintances with Ruby, had acquaintances with Oswald that, that Dorothy figured out. She had figured out that uh, Marcello, who had, I believe, and, and I think Dorothy believed, had the greatest motive to have masterminded the assassinations, and here's why. In 1960, uh, the Kennedys were going to lose the election. And Joe Kennedy was smart enough to know that they needed to win Illinois and West Virginia. He had Frank Sinatra as a go-between, and he got a hold of Sam Giancana, who was a very good friend of Marcello's, and said, look, you help us win Chicago and Illinois, and when we're in the White House, we will leave you guys alone. Well, that's exactly what happened. They helped out, and then, unfortunately, and I have a primary witness who was right there, Joe Kennedy ordered JFK to appoint Bobby Kennedy attorney general, and Bobby Kennedy went after those guys predictably because he had gone after them before they were in the White House. And the main one he went after was Carlos Marcello deporting him to Central America. Marcello came back. He was going to deport him again as November of 65 came along. He was in a courtroom. Marcello was charged with conspiracy. And Dorothy, I believe, knew, and I don't think it's a stretch to believe, that Marcello said to himself, I can't let this happen. Well, if you kill Bobby Kennedy, who he, who he hated, then Jack Kennedy will come after you with everything the government has. But if you kill JFK, Bobby Kennedy is powerless. Right. And that, fellas, is exactly what happened. Wow. Bobby Kennedy never went after those guys again, any of them. They disbanded the uh, organized crime group within the attorney general. Bobby Kennedy finally... Um, finally uh, resigned, and, and if, you, if people don't want to believe Dorothy or believe what I'm saying, they can believe, Joe, uh, they can believe Bobby Kennedy Jr., because about three years ago, I believe two or three years ago, he was interviewed by Charlie Rose on NPR, and it was a big deal at the time where he said that his father admitted to him he knew it was the mafia who killed, Dor uh, who killed John, John Kennedy, his brother, and it was Carlos Marcello who had the greatest motive. So that's what Dorothy figured out, and that what is what she was going to write about in her book for Random House. And so, okay, so because we have we have about fifteen minutes, so we still have some time. But 
when she started doing the investigation, started, you know, she interviewed Jack mm-hmm. Ruby. I mean, she, she had to tell people that she's going to write this because otherwise, you know, nobody would have known until it was released. So, who who did she, who was she who did she confide in that actually would it got mm-hmm. it would have got back to the mob? Well, I, I try to, as I say, set it up, and it is set up as a as a true crime murder mystery with various suspects. And of course, Marcello is the one who would have gained the most right. from uh, Kilgallen being silenced. But this Ron Pataki that I meant I didn't mention his name before, and don't have any problem with doing that. He was the Midwest journalist who came into her life uh, when she was working on the JFK assassination. He was a real hunk, and they fell in. He fell. Uh, she fell in love with him. He was much younger than she was. They had a romance. Um, and uh, conveniently, he came into her life, and he had some affiliation with some mafioso. Uh-huh. He had a violent background, um, and just That'll before Kilgallen died, uh, she suspected him because she shared some of her information with him about the JFK assassination. She believed he was leaking that information to the wrong people. Again, a hairdresser, uh, Mark Sinclair, talks about that on one of the videotapes, and so he was the one who, who came into her life, and um, I don't think it's a stretch to believe that uh, he had something to do with uh, what happened to her on November 8, 1965. Now, I should say that uh, I interviewed Ron three times. He still lives in Ohio. He's still alive. I sent him the book. Uh, I've told him that the, and the book uh, is a scathing uh, indictment of his, uh, of his conflicting accounts in the in the. In the uh, interviews that he gave me. He also wrote two poems that are very incriminating about uh, uh, poisoning uh, a person and some things like that, which we'll talk about in a minute when we, when we talk about Dorothy's death. And so it was Ron Pataki, we believe, who is the main suspect uh, still alive. Uh, you probably know that the New York District Attorney's Office, against all odds, uh, uh, is investigating Dorothy's death now, 52 years later. Wow. And I was told I had no chance of getting that done, but they are doing it. I'm cooperating with them, and I'm giving them new evidence that's coming along. I do want to say this. If anybody listening to your program knows anything about Dorothy Kilgallen's death, about anything that happened back then, please get in touch with you guys or me or the New York District Attorney's Office because we're getting new information that is going to help us find out what really happened to Dorothy. But that's a long answer to your question, but Ron Pataki is the main suspect here because we believe he is the last person to have seen Kilgallen alive, and I can get into that if you would like for me to. Well, we, Okay, so we see where that connection is. Now, what about we skipped over the Jack Ruby thing because she was getting very close with that stuff, too. How does that tie in there? Because... What do you what 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 do you think her thoughts were? Do you think it was the Manchurian idea? Do you think that he really was just working for the mob? What what is the answer? Do you think about Jack Ruby? Well, uh, there there is uh, evidence in the book, and it's not speculation that Dorothy had figured it out. She looked at this as a simple mob hit, uh, and and here's how it would it would be projected. And this is uh, something that I think is plausible and logical. And here's what she figured out. Look, uh, Marcello had the, the motive. He masterminded the assassinations. His empire stretched to Dallas. One of the first people to see Jack Ruby in jail worked for Marcello. So there's that link there. Wow. Lee Harvey Oswald, she believed, well, yes, he was involved, and he may have been one of the shooters or something, but he had no capacity to have masterminded all of this. Right. So what happens? Oswald is captured. You bring in Ruby. And Ruby is ordered 
to take care and eliminate Oswald, which eliminates a loose end. Then you bring in the mafia lawyer, uh, Melvin Belli, to silence Ruby. He wouldn't let Ruby testify at trial, made him look crazy, and so you button that up. So now there's only one person out there who is shouting, hey, something's wrong here, and who is it? It's Dorothy Kilgallen. And so she put herself in danger. She put a target on her back. And she had figured out that this was just a mob, a, mob, a mob hit from start to finish. It was Marcello setting this all up, and she knew about mobsters in New York. She had covered trials. She knew Costello. She knew who was a good friend of Marcello's. She knew all that. So she'd put it all together, and she was going to put it in that book that they couldn't let her write. Wow. So, so then the, the, the Manchurian Candidate stuff about Ruby and him not knowing or remembering they shot was all just a, a ploy to just keep him quiet and say he's crazy and... He didn't. Well, again, I can't speculate on that. All I can do is, is go by what Dorothy's columns say, what her yeah. articles say, and what the hairdressers say, because I think that's the, the best primary source evidence that we have. Well, I'm going to ask you this, because it, what, what's fascinating when you said that, if it was a mob mm-hmm. hit, then why did, how did the government go quiet? It's because, I mean, they just put it on Oswald. They just said, you know, pretty much case closed. Yeah. Did, was it more of an embarrassment because they le- actually let it happen? Or was it they were like, hey, you know, Jack didn't, did, was doing yeah. things that we didn't want it to do, and so they just kind of eliminated it for us. So what do well, you Well, you think? have to put yourself in J. Edgar Hoover's uh, uh, place. Uh, I have a lot of... Uh, admiration for him, but I also have a lot of disgust with him because he just hoodwinked everybody. Right away, it was Oswald alone. You can see the directives he wrote to the attorney general, to everybody else. It's Oswald alone. That's it. We're not going to go any further. Don't, don't even go that way. Right. Why did he do that? Wow. Because if it's a lone nut like Oswald who killed JFK, then he has no responsibility whatsoever. But if it's a concerted effort, uh, whatever you want to call it, if it's a number of people, if it's the mafia, if it's whoever it is that did this, then he is responsible. And so he was just, you know, the Warren Commission was a sham, shepherded that all through, and unfortunately, in many ways, that distortion of history lives until now. I mean, you can ask a lot of people who killed JFK, and they will say, well, it was Oswald alone. It's just incredible that they still think that happened, but that that was the success that, uh, that, that the Hoover had. And you know, when Dorothy died, the killers won in many ways because her investigative file that she had disappeared, uh, her her investigation notes were gone, and she could never write that book. And so for 50 years, her her voice has been buried. She's been buried. It's almost like she's living again now, and she, her voice is being heard, and people are for the first time saying, hey, wait a minute, this all makes sense. Yeah, uh, she was on the trail of what really happened, and, and we need to listen to what Dorothy Kilgallen has to say. Hey Mark, isn't that? Do you, I'm sorry. Oh, do you know that that film Arlington Road with Jeff Bridges? I do not. Okay, that film. The point of that whole film is how the government always tries to make it a single lone wolf. He, you uh-huh. would probably be very interested in this film because they keep speaking about how they want to immediately make it one lone nut because mm-hmm. it's easier for people out in the world to understand that, oh, one guy went crazy, he did this horrible right. thing, and then they can put it out of their mind, they can digest that. Thinking that oh. it's this web of conspiracy and all these people involved is too hard, and they don't want people thinking that. Well, you brought it up. That's a, it's a great way of looking at it, and that's that's the truth, unfortunately. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you just hate to see that happen because you don't get at the truth that way. You, you, you aren't able to uh, really look into what 
actually happen because you're being given a smokescreen of what they want you to think, and, right. and that's that's really uh, that's really sad. Yep. All right, before we talk about the actual death of her of Dorothy, I want to ask you. Brought this up about New York is possibly inve- reinvestigating her her yes. actual death. Do you think this could snowball into opening the JFK case case at all? Well, I, I certainly I certainly hope so. Um, That'd be I've, awesome. I've made contacts with some of what I believe are the most credible authors, reporters, who have talked about the JFK assassination, and I've said, please, you know, include Dorothy's uh, uh, investigation mm-hmm. and what she found in the equation, and uh, let's see if this could not uh, potentially this if it could potentially trigger an opening of uh, looking into the JFK assassination by a congressional committee of some sort, because I think there is enough new evidence out there since the House Select Committee on Assassinations investigation in the 70s uh, to really put a new face on this. Now, in this political climate and everything going on out there, uh, you know, publishers are amazing. The book has done this well because there's all this political pizzazz out there. Right. But somehow or another, maybe people needed a relief to look at a <laughs> true crime murder mystery or right. something. But we're we're we, you know we're just and and I, I and we don't want to forget for a film to be made based on the book. And so it's, it's hit a home run. And I think a lot of that is because the fresh information in there has real. Uh, made a difference with people, but my hope is, and I'm going to give it a try if I can, especially if the if the um, DA is able to to assist with helping what really happened to Dorothy, and and I think we can do that. I think we can put together the pieces of what really happened to her, and if that happens, uh, I'll tell you what, you guys can be first in line with oh, it to try to see if we can't to this get something amazing. done with this. Can you imagine? Hey, can I? Can I? There's another uh, chat room. Uh, question here. It's yeah. Robbie from Cleveland, Ohio. He's listening, which is great. We're getting a worldwide audience here. Uh, he asks, you know, since she was getting so close and she got taken out, were you ever afraid, following in her footsteps and digging up all her stuff, were you ever afraid that maybe you were getting too close to the truth and feared for your own safety in any way or no? Well, my uh, literary joke that the book's called The Reporter Who Knew Too Much, Am I the Author Who Knew Too Much? <laughs> right, too right, much there now. you go. Right. But, you know, all of my books are controversial. Yeah, they and, are. and uh, you know, I'm just like you guys, all right? Uh, you're on every day, and there are going to be people who disagree with what you say, and you put yourself in jeopardy. They're better than I have, be. And I have. And uh, for the most part, uh, people have been very civil about this. But there are those people out there who, you know, don't want the truth to be told. They don't want to find out what really happened to Dorothy and all of that. And so I guess I watch myself a little bit, but I'm like you guys. Uh, you, you know, you can't worry about that. Yeah. If you're a person who wants to search for the truth, then that's just part of the deal. No, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I always say if it happens, it happens. With you know, And then uh, we'll move on from there. All right, so we have just about four minutes left. I, I, I really want to know the cause, the cause or what happened to Dorothy. What was the scenario of sure. the actual death? How did it happen? Well, what we what we know is this: on the on the uh, evening of November seventh, uh, nineteen sixty-five, she was on her last uh, "What's My Line" show, mm-hmm. and uh, she left there and she went out with a producer to a bar, and then she went to the Regency Hotel uh, and uh, bar there, and she was seen. And there's an eyewitness on the DorothyKilgallenStory.org who saw her with a mystery man because they couldn't identify who it was. We believe that is Ron Pataki, as I talked about. Uh, at 9 o'clock the next morning, uh, Mark Sinclair uh, will tell you in a very chilling uh, videotape 
how he found Dorothy's body in a bedroom she never slept in, in a bed she never slept in, wearing eyelashes, uh, a hairpiece, and makeup she never wore to bed in Mm. clothes she never wore to bed. Uh, He found her dead. Uh, The police are not called until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, then a medical examiner is called, and he does not come from the Manhattan branch. She died in Manhattan, but he comes from the Brooklyn branch. And I have three toxicologists who were at that Brooklyn branch during that time who will tell, uh, who say in the book, of course, that that branch was mafia-controlled. Immediately there was an autopsy. They decided right away that she had died of an overdose of barbiturates and alcohol despite there being no evidence of that ever occurring. Uh, Just quickly, uh, the case was basically just closed. There was no investigation of any kind, despite the the death scene being staged. And Dorothy Kilgallen disappeared from the face of the earth for 52 years until now. A lot of smoke around that, though, right? A lot of smoke. A lot of smoke. A lot of of questions about why this happened. Nobody spoke up for all of that. But uh, she's going to get the justice she deserves. You're speaking uh, I'm up going for to fight her, for that, and now the DA's involved, and so we're going we're gonna to get the justice for it. Well, because we deal with a lot of paranormal stuff, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask you this. Mm-hmm. It popped into my head. Have you ever had any dreams, like Dorothy ever came to you in a dream and spoke to you about anything, or did you anything weird like that? I've said this before, and I'm glad you brought it up. I felt from the beginning that Dorothy has been guiding me through this whole thing. I mean, mm-hmm. people can say I'm crazy, but uh, all the evidence, every, every chance, every time I was going to quit, and then she would send me another way. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that she has guided this along. Somehow or another, she chose me to be able to be her voice, and, and I have no trouble saying that. And, and uh, I have uh, several examples at some point I could give you about these different times when I felt like that I was at a dead end and then something opened up, and I believe that was Dorothy uh, uh, helping me along. Interesting. Well, I hate to even say we have to go, but the t- our time is out, and I think uh, she chose the right person uh, oh, to, to, do, uh, to do the work that she did not get to finish, and I, I hope that she does get the the justice that she deserves. Let's hope he keeps going forward yeah. with the uh, case opening up in New York and everything. I hope That'd so be too. great. Absolutely. Mark. And if it's okay, I'll let you know if there's a, a, a big development oh, in please. terms of what's uh, happened, and maybe we can talk again. I would love that. And I would love to invite you back because uh, there's other books that you've written. I can't believe 25, but uh, there's other books I'd love to have you come it's back. It's actually on. true, Tony. It is true. I know. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's as believe hard. it. That's as high as I can count. So thank God. <laughs> All right. Well, well Mark, I'm, I'm very proud of this one. I will tell you, the reporter who knew too much. I really felt like that. I've done Dorothy a, a good thing here, and and that means a lot to me. That's great. Well, if you are just tuning in, this is Mark Shaw, a, an amazing uh, a reporter, legal analyst. Go to the re- uh, there's a couple different websites. Go to thereporterwhoknewtomuch.com, and then go to the Dorothy Kilgallen, and that's K I L G A L L E N Story dot org. The Dorothy Kilgallen. Uh, story.org and you can find out video or find videos pictures all kinds of stuff on there but mark thank you so much for being on truth be told we hope you come back soon it's been an honor thank you so much you got it and uh well captain ron it's time for us to get out of here but we have another show right after this we want you to stick around for uh but uh until then please go to truthbetoldwebtv.com uh check us out on iHeartRadio iTunes please go to our YouTube channel just type in truth be told and uh, subscribe leave messages we'd love to hear from you uh, but until then we'll see you next time on truth be told I'm Tony Sweet Captain Ron we're out